0: Well, it's not only just a privilege to be with uh, you all this morning, but as I was sitting there seeing and listening to uh, senior high students, I was reminded again what a privilege it is for me uh, to be involved with these young people. And try not to see them as the church of the future, though they are, because they'll be around longer than most of you. They're younger than uh, most of you. But we're also the church of today. We're concerned about what's taking place uh, in God's kingdom today in many ways and it's a real delight for us to uh, be able to be with you all this morning and take uh, this Sunday to uh, share with you the fact that we uh, involved in high school do love God and God loves us Uh, even though sometimes we want our parents love us we know that God loves us so we're comforted by that uh, feeling Uh, if I were to uh, ask you or mention the words war or warfare this morning, uh, I wonder what would go through your mind. Some of you may be thinking about all the different wars that we have been involved in, from the Revolutionary War to 1812, and on up to the uh, five wars that we've been involved in in the last 60 years in this country. Uh, thinking of the military endeavors that that take up our time and our resources. Uh, others of you may be thinking of uh, the fact that you. Uh, war against the government this time of year—it seems like that anyway. It's tax time is coming up, and and some of you are being audited, and so you're you're in a constant uh, struggle there with uh, the federal government. For some of you, it may be where you work—you feel like you're in constant tension uh, where you're working, either with the people that you oversee or with the person who oversees you. That sometimes there seems like a constant battle that's taking place. Uh, For others of you, uh, war may indicate to you domestic warfare that uh, you and your spouse at times may have those skirmishes and those battles uh, that take place. And it seems as though that healthy as well as unhealthy marriages uh, have those little skirmishes from time to time. Or it might be that if you are parents, uh, as I am a parent, that you are in war uh, with warfare at times with your children. There seems to be a struggle that's taking place in that area. So as we think about war and warfare, we realize it involves almost every aspect of our life. And physically, we get very tired of that. We like our peace. We like our solitude. Uh, My philosophy of gardening is that if it's green, let it grow, and I'll cut it with the grass. (laughs) I just don't want to hassle pulling the weeds. So if it's green, it fits right in. I'll just cut it when I cut the grass. Don't worry about it. It's kind of a, we we tend to think life is, well, don't bug me and I won't bug you. Well, that don't bug, won't bug philosophy that works in the physical sphere does not work so well in the spiritual realm because the scriptures tell us that we are constantly uh, in some kind of warfare. We can't necessarily touch it Feel it, see it, smell it, or taste it, but we know that it's there. And one of the reasons we know is because God's Word tells us that we're involved in warfare. And a Christian's warfare, it's, a Christian's war is an unusual uh, war. It's fought in an unusual manner with unique weapons against an unseen enemy for an uncommon goal. And I know that seems odd. I'll say that again. It's an unusual, it's fought in an unusual manner with unique weapons against an unseen enemy for an uncommon goal. Hey, well, that's crazy, Terry. That just doesn't make sense. So I know. But as I was reading 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 6, that's what seemed to be coming out of the passage. That's what seemed Paul, the Apostle Paul seems to be saying. And that's the best that uh, I could come up with. For this section, and for those of you who have looked at it, and some of you were involved in uh, growth groups this last week, uh, you've looked at it, and uh, I've looked at it, and I'm sure that the Apostle Paul knew what he was saying, and I'm sure that the Corinthians that he was writing to understood what he was saying. The problem is the 2,000 years between Paul and us, so I'm not sure what he's saying. But we'll go ahead this morning and give it a shot and see what uh, we come up with. I'll give you my opinion of what I think is going on here. And you may have uh, another idea, and and that's fine too. And We can get together after the service and share ideas and see if either one of us is even close. So open up, if you will, uh, to chapter 10 and follow along as I read the first six verses. Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I, who am meek Uh, When face to face with you, but bold towards you when absent, I ask that when I am present, I may not be bold with a confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some, who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations, and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. Now, as you know, the last couple of Sundays, David has talked about uh, the subject of giving, which Paul mentions in chapters 8. 8. And 9, and he closes that by saying in chapter 9, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And then he says in verse 10, Now I, Paul, myself, he makes an abrupt transition, uh, starting off on a different subject, a subject I believe that was somewhat painful to Paul, and he put off until the last part of his letter to the Corinthians. Uh, It's a subject that talks about uh, the problems that were going on in Corinth at this time. He had received words from his friends who had visited Corinth that all was not well in the uh, city of Corinth, that uh, there were some people there who were disrupting Paul's ministry. He had been there several years earlier, had started a church, had uh, nurtured a body of believers. He had left, pursue ministry in other places, and along come some people who we call super-apostles who came in and said, You know, we don't think very much of the Apostle Paul. I don't think that what he was teaching was the right thing. They brought in a different word from God, a different ministry, a different mission. And they were disrupting the people whom Paul had taught. And this upset the Apostle greatly. And so he now has to take the time to respond to this. And the uh, opinion that these people have, these super-apostles of Paul, is expressed in verse 10. Where he says, for they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal appearance is unimpressive and his speech contemptible. You can see what these people thought of Paul, and so they were permeating the Corinthians with this idea. They said, you know, that Paul, uh, when he is away and out of danger from any of us, he's a real tough guy. He writes really tough, hard letters. But you get him up close and personal, if ABC was to go and do their up-close and personal interview of the Apostle Paul, they'd say, you know, he's just a wimp. He's just a weenie shrimp wimp of a guy. He's not, he's not strong, he's not tough, he isn't anybody. So don't pay any attention to Paul. That was their opinion, and that's what they were, were teaching the people in Corinth. And disrupting the body so that some of the people in that body at Corinth were beginning to follow these other super-apostles who were claiming to be more spiritual uh, than Paul. So Paul here starts off telling him of his desire. And let me reread this, these first two verses because they get a little bit confusing. His thought pattern uh, changes. Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and, and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek when face to face with you but bold towards you and absent, ask... I urge you that when I am present, I may not be bold with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. Paul says, you tell me that I am meek when I'm face to face with you. Well, if I'm a wimp in your eyes, I see myself as being a wimp in the way that Jesus Christ was. I would prefer to come before you with gentleness and meekness as Christ came with gentleness and meekness. See, the person of Jesus Christ could be very confrontive and forceful at times. We know that when he went into the temple and cleared it out. We know that he confronted the Pharisees with forcefulness. But that wasn't the bulk of his ministry. Most of his time in dealing with people he was gentle and meek. Meek is being strong, under strength, under control. And that's the way that he was he was kind and gracious. For he knew that to draw people to himself, he would have far greater success in being gentle and meek than he would in being strong and overbearing and forceful, though he might have to be at times. And Paul realizes that as well, that if he wants to communicate and draw these people out of the the, uh, teaching that they're getting, that he wants to do it with meekness. But he lets them know that if I have to be bold and exercise my apostolic authority, I'll do that but I would prefer uh, to be meek. I'll deal with those people who are disrupting the teaching, but I want to be meek and gentle. Please make it possible for me to be meek and gentle with you. And I think uh, at times of my own uh, ministry, and I think back to a high school winter retreat a few weeks ago, and I was reading this about being meek and gentle, And all of a sudden, one incident came to my mind of where I responded, and I should say I chose to respond um, in a way that was contrary to be meek and gentle in a certain situation. And I chose to exercise my authority that I had as an adult there, and by uh, exercising loud vocal cords in order to change (laughs) a situation, in which afterwards I thought about, I thought, you know, I could have done that differently i could have been more meek and gentle and probably accomplished the same result without any damaged spirits you see because when i did what i did in authority and i really had a right to to do it i damaged some spirits and some relationships and they'll have to be worked on to be repaired Um, not from my perspective because i love those people the same but because from their perspective they see me a little differently And how often we choose to do that. Whenever someone comes across our path and they refute our authority or there's issues that we don't want to deal with, oftentimes we meet force with force or we totally reject it rather than having the meekness and the gentleness that Christ would have of being gracious and kind. And these people say, well, Paul, he walks according to the flesh. He's not a spiritual person. And Paul takes up on that in the next uh, section. He says, well, even though they regard us as if we walk according to the flesh, they're making a derogatory statement towards me. Let me tell you this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Paul is pointing out that he says, yes, you know what? We are stuck in the flesh. There's no way around it, gang. You know what? We've got physical bodies, and they're here to stay until they go. And we're limited by those physical bodies. We do have to live in those physical bodies. We cannot be spirits who are floating around, uh, having a gay old time, up in the sky all the time. We're limited by our physical bodies and the things that we can do. We're mere mortal people. And sometimes because of that, we choose to function on a mortal plane. But Paul is saying, but we don't have to rest on that mortal plane. There's a spiritual dimension to life that can help us in every aspect when we choose to. And that spiritual dimension can help us overcome the limitations of our mortality. And that's part of the fact that we fight in an unusual manner as Christians. This whole area of the spiritual realm is something that Paul wants to say that we, uh, though we walk according to the flesh, we are in the flesh, we're stuck there. But we don't war according to the flesh. When we deal with people, we deal according to the Spirit, according to the example of Jesus Christ, according to the power of, that God has given to us. And since our warfare is unusual, it's only right that we should have unique weapons for this warfare. And you say, well, what are these weapons? Paul doesn't tell us. He just says they're not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Well, I would think if we took some time to think, well, how do we function in the flesh? And I took some time this week to think, how do I function in the flesh? And it wasn't too long before I came up with all kinds of ways that I tend to function in the flesh. And so I thought one way to help you see this would be to use an overhead this morning and to say, what are the weapons according to the flesh that we use? Intelligence, cleverness, ingenuity, our position, our authority... Our organizing ability, manipulation, and that covers all kinds of areas, eloquence, charisma, propaganda, needling, pushy, forcefulness, coercion, rationalization, and then last night I added pouting because I had some pouting kids. (laughs) But you know what? Kids aren't the only people who pout. You ever catch yourself pouting? I find myself pouting a lot. I didn't get my way. Long face, turned down lip, just like my kids. And go off to my little office and pout. Just like I send them and say, if you're going to pout, go to your room. It's like, if I'm going to pout, go hide someplace. But what are the weapons according to the Spirit? They are truth. Prayer, dependence upon God, meekness, understanding, being gracious to other people, providing grace, forgiveness, gentleness, patience, kindness, forgiveness and mercy with people. Love, unconditional love. Not I love you because, but I love you in spite of the fact that you're pouting. Honesty and integrity. You see, this is God's wisdom, cloaked in humility. Over here we have the world's wisdom, human wisdom that's cloaked in pride, selfishness. I want to get my way. So those are the weapons, I believe, that Paul is talking about. He's contrasting the flesh with the spirit. He says, we do not war according to the flesh but our weapons are these over here. They are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And the idea there is the tearing down. The destruction is not one of blowing up so much as it is tearing down, stripping away the outer walls of a fortress until we can move in, he says, to that unseen enemy. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, that unseen enemy. So what is Paul saying here? I know some of you are still wondering after your growth group saying, what is Paul talking about? I believe that Paul is talking about a fortress... And inside that fortress, here is the fortress, the circle. And inside that fortress are different pockets of resistance. Speculations or reasonings. Lofty things raised up against God, against the knowledge, the experience of who God is. And thoughts that are disobedient to Christ. And let's think again in the context. Paul is talking about people in Corinth who are disrupting his ministry. And those people in Corinth are offering different speculations and reasonings about who God is. They're offering a different way to respond to God in lofty things. And they've got thoughts that are disobedient to what Paul has taught them about the person of Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, we're not going to war with those people according to the flesh. We're going to war with those people according to the Spirit, and with you. So you say, well, Cherry, that's okay. I'm beginning to get a picture of what's taking place. Same diagram, different words. See, the fortress is our mind, our human mind. You ever meet up with somebody whose mind is a fortress... And you have to get through, you have to begin tearing down speculations about who God is. You begin to have to confront in the area of pride that they want to be their own God. They're selfish, they have a right to fulfill their own desires. Those of you who listen to the Alman Connie seminar know that a lot of rock music today is talking about fulfilling your every desire in sex, with drugs, with rebellion, doing your own thing. And that's over here, in rebellion against God's word. That there are pockets in our minds that have each of those areas. Especially for the non-Christian, are these two, but for the Christian, it might be all three. And Paul was talking to Christians and non-Christians in his letter, saying, There's a problem here. They've got a fortress, but we've got weapons to overcome that fortress. We're going to tear down the outer walls of that mine through uh, prayer, and gentleness, and kindness, and deal with that in those ways. That's the unseen enemy, is the other person's mind. We aren't sure quite what's going on there. And the uncommon goal that we have as Christians is to confront them with the truth, to hopefully tear down their false ideas about how life is to be lived, about what the truth of life is. What are the philosophies that are true? To tear those down those false philosophies, and tear down that pride and restore it with what? Restore it with the gospel of truth. We don't want to tear down somebody else's mind without putting something else there. We tear it down and then we put the truth back in there. Hopefully that they will grab onto it and accept it and see it for what it really is. And he says, we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete that Paul was genuinely upset. And the word for punish here has the idea of taking vengeance. Paul said, I want to be meek, but when I come, if I have to be, I'll be tough. With my apostolic authority. And I'll deal with those people, those super apostles. I'll deal with them. I'll punish them. I'm ready to do that if I need to. Whenever your obedience is complete. Once you Corinthians have decided to follow me, to follow the gospel, then we together can move in and overcome this enemy. Now, in that last section, I don't think that we have apostles today who go around checking out uh, churches and doing the thing that Paul was talking about in that section. But we are confronted today with people... Sometimes they're husbands, sometimes they're wives, sometimes they are uh, a boss, an employee. People we meet in everyday life. And we're confounded and frustrated by their actions towards us. And we say, well, gee, uh, David, would you go and see my friend in the hospital and, and share with them? I know if you share with them because you're the pastor, they'll listen to you. Uh, Terry, would you talk with my teenager? I know I'm their parent, but, but they'll probably listen to you. Uh, if I just give this person this book, I know it'll clear everything up for them, and they'll understand perfectly who God is. You see, we do all kinds of battling in the flesh when Paul says, no, we war according to the, to the Spirit. That we're meek and gentle and we're kind and we pray. We depend upon God to work in people's lives. We depend upon God to change hearts. We don't try to manipulate people into a certain situation. We don't pick the right Sunday to bring someone to church to let someone else share the gospel with them. So we do that because we share on the basis of our friendship with other people. And if you're frustrated because of the way that you've been dealing with people, evaluate it to see, am I using the weapons of the world, of the flesh? Or am I using the weapons that are divinely powerful for the tearing down of fortresses, for what can really get through to people into to their hearts and their minds? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word from, <clears throat> from your word this morning. It's so hard for us to understand at times what your apostle is saying. And I pray that you would help us to uh, see clearly what we see dimly now so that we might be able to be your instruments. That we could take part in this war that's taking place all around us. And that we could uh, feel you use us through the weapons of the Spirit to reach out to certain people in certain situations to be your people, to be godly people. Help us to see when we're being a people of the world using the weapons of the world. Amen.